Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We use grace, the word grace, in uh, lots of different contexts. We say grace before a meal. Uh, some people uh, move with grace and poise, like my wife, um, and uh, even on high heels, she manages to do that. Um, we say that someone graced us with their presence at the party, uh, and we talk about a period of grace. So the library says, if you put your books back now, we won't fine you. We'll do that for a couple of weeks, but if you're after that period of grace, you're going to cop a fine. But there's a period of grace. We are in a period of grace right now. We are in the dispensation or the age of grace. From the moment Jesus pulled out Isaiah and stood up and said, I proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he ushered in a whole new era, the era of grace, where heaven's doors are opened and the Holy Spirit and anybody who is, uh, responds to the Holy Spirit stands at the doors and says, come in, come in. Prior to that, in the age of the law, the dispensation of law, there were some other dispensations as well, but in the dispensation of law, you could not come in unless you met all these criteria. Unless you did this and do that and do that and don't do that and don't do that and don't do that. That's the law. We still sometimes have the law thinking. But God wants us to see grace thinking. Where the doors are open, the, the ticket has been paid for. Your ticket has been paid for. All you have to do is come up, take the ticket and go in. It's all there. It won't last forever. God's Spirit will not always strive with man. There will come a time where God says, that's it. The period is over, and now the reckoning will take place. But right now, it's a grace period where God is smiling, saying, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest for your souls. Grace and the law. Look at John 1.17. It says this, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, you can give somebody something from a distance, but Jesus came with grace. He came right up into our faces on the earth. It wasn't just a message sent out from heaven. It was a person. So I'm coming here in person. Grace is here. And God always wants to come to us. Grace is all about God coming to us. The law is all about us trying to get to God. It's all about our trying to strive to get to God. It's all about people trying to uh, reach God. Religion tries to get to God, attain to God, somehow uh, attain salvation. Grace is all about, no, no, I'm coming to you. You don't have to do anything. I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing the food on a plate to you. That's grace. Grace is so much bigger. Grace shows us how much God loves us. Sometimes when you think, I've got to love God more, I've got to do more, I've got to pray more, I've got to stop doing that, and I've got to start doing more of that, and I've got to uh, stop telling lies, and I've, I've got to stop stealing, I've got to stop doing all these things. You know, as long as we focus on ourselves, we're not focusing on God's grace. And God says, no, take your eyes off yourself and look at me. Look how much I love you. My love is pouring out to you. The doors are open and out of it just comes a river of love 
and it's just un, unsullied by anything. It just, it, it just moves and God's got complete confidence that that river can wash away any problem. And it's flowing. It's pouring. It's probably more like a shower. We can take a shower in the morning to wash our bodies. But uh, we can stand under the shower of grace every morning. God loves me. God loves me. Sometimes I need to, to just experience that shower every day, actually. You know, God loves me. Start my prayer with, thank you, God. You just love me so much. There's nothing I can do to stop you. It's just flowing over me. It's a never-ending, inexhaustible, inexhaustible, unending supply of love and love and grace and perfection and holiness just flows over me. I don't have any of my own. All that I am today, I can stand here before you and say, it's the grace of God that has brought me thus far. Look at 1 John 4 verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins away. God has done it all, folks. God has done it all. He's paid the ticket. He's paid the price. If we can just get a, a, a glimpse of how much God loves us, it'll change everything. It's all about him and his love for us. Grace reminds us that God's done it all. It's not me. And I, I don't have to worry about striving and how, how feeling guilty because I haven't loved God enough. He says, that's okay. I know you can't do it. I love you. Look at Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. May you have the power to understand, as all people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Why? Because if you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. How do you get filled up as a Christian? By focusing on how much he loves you. If we don't feel close to God, then it's because we don't understand how much he loves us. If we feel a little bit of fear in our lives, let the perfect love of God cast out all fear. Where are your eyes looking today? Are you looking at you? What are you looking at? Just fill your eyes with the beauty of God. Magnify Him. Magnify that love. Have confidence. He still loves me. He still loves me. He loves me today. There's nothing I can do that will say that will turn off the tap. He still loves you. He still loves you. He still loves you. He'll still love you tomorrow. He'll still love you the next day. In the New Testament, grace is translated from a Greek word called charists, C-H-A-R-I-S. And that word is found in other Greek texts besides the Bible. And it's always used in sense of a benevolent gift from a superior to an inferior, from an SES 3 to an APS 1. And if you're not in the public service, that makes no sense at all. It's kind of like a demigod to a, a bit of dirt. I repent of that. I thank you, Lord, that you still love me. I pray you fill my brothers and sisters with love. It's like you're an APS1 at your desk and an SES3 walks in with a cup of coffee for you. Would you like that? You say, wow. He does that, every, or she does that every day. It's undeserved. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 2. I'm talking about the uns of grace, by the way, as the sign said, the uns of grace. The first un is, it's undeserved. Grace is undeserved. Romans 5, 2, because of our faith, 
Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved favor where we now stand. God's favor is towards you. You think, I don't deserve it. He says, it's fine. I know you don't deserve it, but I still favor you. I still want you. I still love you. I still give to you. We're not entitled to God's kindness. We don't deserve to be in heaven for eternity. In fact, we deserve the opposite. We can be like the Shakespeare's character, Lady Macbeth, who was involved in a murder and then for the rest of her life was washing her hands, trying to get the stain off them. The stain had disappeared a long time, but it's still in her heart. And there are still people, people here today feel the stain. The stain, we're focusing on the stain, 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 stain. The stain gets bigger. God's saying, don't look at the stain. I've washed the stain. Look at me. Look at God. Jesus had no stain. And that is how I look at you. No matter what you've done. In fact, everything, all your uh, thoughts and motivations, God knows are not perfect. But he says, but Jesus were. Jesus, every word was perfect. Every thought was perfect. Every motivation was perfect. Every deed that Jesus did was perfect. And he says, Jesus has earned glory. Heaven, eternal life. And I give all of that. If you put faith in him, you get all of that. It's nothing to do with you earning it. It's all about my son. So when we feel guilty, we turn to him and say, God, I've done it again. I've blown it again. I've yelled at this person again. I'm so sorry. He says, fine. Look at Jesus. He's carried the the guilt. The punishment's been paid. It's been paid in full. E.V. Hill was a black pastor in Los Angeles, Ed Hill. And uh, he died a few years ago now, but he was friends with Billy Graham. He had a number of uh, uh, presidents of the United States that he worked with, uh, pastored and prayed with. But he was born in poverty in backwoods of Texas. And he went to school there like all the other boys, and he didn't think he'd go and finish high school. But his mama said, you're going to finish high school. I'm praying for you, and God's going to provide for you. And sure enough, unlike all the other uh, black boys in, the, in that area who'd leave high school at year 10 and go and get a job laboring for a dollar a day, maybe two dollars a day. He, le- he went through the, the final year of high school and then he was ready to go to college. He wanted to be a pastor. He said that to his mama and she said, well, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to go to college. But mama, I don't have any money. God will provide. And so she bought him a suitcase and some jeans and clothes, sent him off to register at the college. And he was stood in a line, a long line, and he just started to think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for this? Came in through the doors and the long line, and then there's a sign above the registry desk saying $83 as a startup cost. He said, I don't have $83. And he started thinking, I I, I shouldn't be here. I'm a fraud. I, I don't belong here. I don't have $83. And then he, the only thing that kept him in the line was his mama saying, I'm praying for you. God's going to provide. And just as he was getting closer to the desk, someone touched him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, are you Ed Hill? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, didn't you get our letter that we sent out a few weeks ago? We've been trying to contact you. We've got a whole scholarship for your entire course, including $35 a month as an, an allowance. And he just heard his mother saying, I'm going to pray for you. And as he went to the desk, they took out a stamp, bam, paid in full. God knows that we are undeserving. He said, I don't care about that. I'm paying for you in full. You're paid for. That's grace. 
and the grace doesn't run out just when you decide to follow Christ. You, your ticket's paid to access him right now, so we can pray. Your ticket is, is paid for healing, so believe. Your ticket is paid to do exploits for God. So dream big. The ticket's paid for. Take a step out, trusting in the grace of God. Number two, it's unmerited. We're all infected uh, with impurity. God's favor is not something we get because of our achievements and how good we are. And by our efforts, we can't sort of do stuff and, hey, God, look at me. Are you impressed yet? Whoa. I've helped an old lady cross the street today. Hey. I have saved a tree. Woo. It's not God says, wow, I want that person in heaven. He says, well, doesn't make much difference to your heart. Mother Teresa, on her very best day, was unable to impress God with all the people she helped in poverty. Billy Graham, on his best preaching day, didn't impress God. God didn't put Billy Graham in heaven because he was impressed with Billy Graham. He put Billy Graham in heaven because Billy Graham was impressed with Jesus. And he made an impression on lots of people as a result. My cousin Catherine was uh, trained to be a lifeguard. And while she was training, I happened to be in Sydney where she lived, the family lived at that time. And she said, oh, I'd like to practice uh, saving you. And I said, great. What do we do? Go to the beach, you know, jump off a bridge. What do we do? She said, no, there's a pool next door. Put all the, keep all your clothes on, if you don't mind getting them wet, and go and jump in the deep end, and I'll rescue you. And so that's what happened. And I jumped in, I suddenly realized, okay, it's very deep, and these clothes are weighing me down. And uh, I'd like to be saved, actually. And uh, then she got in the water, and as she got closer, reached out to grab her arm, because she's going to save me, and she pushed my hand away. And that was a bit nasty and rude, I thought. I'm dying. And, uh, and then I tried again to grab two hands. Now, boom! I got a kick in the guts from my lifeguard. <laughs> and she said, just give up. Don't struggle. Lifeguards are, not tr- are trained to stay away from the person as long as they're thrashing and kicking around because they're going to not be saved. They're going to cause a problem. All their efforts actually make things worse. She said, just give up. Just, and I gave up and I literally started to fall down and then I felt her hand pick me up, kept my chin and start dragging me backwards. I didn't have to do a thing. Jesus is our lifeguard. He's the guard of life. He doesn't need our efforts. Stop trying. Don't impress me. I'm going to save you. You don't have to do anything. Just rest. Rest and grace go together. Noah's name meant rest. And it says Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. Rest and grace. Are you resting in God? And the last one. Uh, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip right down to the, the clip I want to show you. Now, Rick Hoyt, born the same year as me, 1984. Uh, 1962, and he had uh, the umbilical cord around his neck. He didn't get oxygen to the brain. He was born with cerebral palsy. He was unable to walk or talk. He learned eventually with some help of some computer engineers in 1973 to communicate with his parents. 
One day in his class at school when he was 15, a classmate was in a car accident and was paralysed from the neck down. And all the classmates, in fact, the whole school said, let's do a five-kilometre run, we'll raise some money for him. And Rick said on the computer, using his head uh, to uh, communicate and get the cursor and write the sentence, he said, I want to go in the race. I want to run in the race. And his dad was not a runner, but he trained a little bit, put Rick into a, a wheelchair and pushed him in the race. At the end of the race, Rick went back to the computer and typed out, you know, that, at the end of that race, that was the first time I ever felt like I wasn't disabled. And his father said, right, we're going to do some more racing. Now, they, in their time, they're retired now from racing, but they did 72 marathons, 97 half marathons, 219 10-kilometer races, plus a whole lot of smaller ones. They did 257 triathlons, including the Hawaiian Ironman three times, the Hawaiian Ironman is a 3.8-kilometre swim followed by a 180-kilometre ride followed by a 42-kilometre run. And you'll see here a picture of grace. We can look great on the outside. On the inside, God knows what was really going on. He knows what we did last summer. And he looks at us and he says, I can do it for you. Don't worry. Let's have a look at this clip now. If you've seen it before, please just enjoy it again. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to feel the storm just because I hear it alone. I don't want to feel the storm. Let's get a bit louder.
Can you feel the love of a father in that clip? The father knows from the time that his child is born that he has a flaw and where it's going to take him in life. He still loves him. Still loves him. Still totally committed to him. He finds out that, uh, that his son has got a, a disability. It doesn't matter. It doesn't diminish the love one bit. In fact, he was motivated by, he said, the, the man sitting on the front wheel in front of me. That's, that's what kept me going. And God is the same. He knows exactly how we've been made. He knows exactly the flaws of your character and my character. doesn't bother him. He loves us. He says, I know what you're doing. I know all about that. But I'm going to get you across that finish line. And the only thing he asks, he says, I just need you to, to understand, appreciate how long and how wide, how deep and how high my love is for you. Trust me. Will you let me put you in the seat? Because I'll pick you up and I'll put you there. But I'm waiting for your word. And then I'll make sure that you make it across that finish line. I'll keep driving you and pushing you. If you fall out of the seat, I'll pick you back up and put it in. Just say the word. That's grace. Grace is undeserved, unmerited, and unbelievable. Unbelievable that a God who said that sin will be punished in a shocking, horrible way, and yet 
I will come in. Jesus came. Let's close our eyes. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.